I have to uh, tell you just a couple things before I start. I first want to say to everybody who made yesterday such a special day for Linda and I, we were going to do that during Family Matters, but we did an audible this morning. I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. It just was a wonderful, wonderful day yesterday, and especially to all of you who did all the work and planning for that. The other thing I want to tell you is Pastor Ridley has those beautiful books that you all gave him. I got this old black ratty thing. It was given to me 22 years ago at the end of my first vacation Bible school at uh, Lamb of God in Flower Mound, and I have used it every Sunday since um, for my worship leading. It's getting retired at the end of the service. Linda thinks it should have been retired a long time ago. Renee Doyle, thank you. Uh, She didn't even know that she gave me a gift that I used the rest of my ministry. Um, the other thing is, uh, there's going to be cake afterwards. <laughs> Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, grant that in these next moments, we would hear and see Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, any of you who know me even a little bit know that I tend to worry a little, or maybe a lot. And when Linda and I started talking about retirement, my ability to worry kicked into overdrive. And... I asked her, I said, are we sure? Can we afford this? Is it time? Can we really do this? I was asking God the same question in my prayer. And over that time, sometimes through a devotion, sometimes through something somebody said, something I read or heard, Sometimes with these exact words, the answer came back, I've got this. Don't worry. But is it too early for fishers to lose two staff persons at the same time? What will they do? Again, the answer came, I've got this. Pastor Bass turned down our call to be an associate, that's when the conversation became very serious. And I worried again. And then President Newman called. And he told me the story about he was at the seminary, like he does every year, interviewing young men, mostly people who come from Texas, Uh, to see if they might be somebody he wants to bring back to Texas. He wasn't there with fishers of men in mind at all, because we weren't looking for a, a seminarian. But in the middle of interviewing a young man and his wife, he said it was like the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulders and said, fishers of men. And so he called me. 
And then I had the fun task of trying to explain to the elders and the PLT and to the, the call team and everybody else just exactly how a call from the seminary works, which is unlike any other call in our pastoral ministry. And, 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 and he, he, we met on Zoom with President Newman, and they were, all, they were kind of skeptical. I think Sean was there, and maybe uh, Larry, and, and uh, I don't know who else, uh, might have been Scott. And uh, um, they were like, I don't know how this is going to work. And he said, well, it's not going to do you any harm to interview him. If you, if you, if you come back and you think, uh, don't call him. And if, they get, if, if everybody gets real enthused about it, then maybe he's the right person. And I thought, now how is everybody going to get real enthused about it when three guys go up and meet him? We had that, we had that uh, town hall meeting, right? Talking, explaining the process. And then John and Kyle and I went to um, St. Louis, interviewed, and we Zoomed. We were only allowed to have ten people on the Zoom. Ah, there were about 45 or 50 of them sitting. We kept the screen dark so nobody at the seminary could see. And the next week when we had the town hall, something happened that I've seen happen numerous times as a circuit counselor. You coalesced around Pastor Ridley. And there was so much enthusiasm and positiveness. And when Carl got up and said, I didn't want to do this, and then the Holy Spirit changed my mind, that kind of sealed the deal. And you called him. I've got this. You know, Lynn and I, we, uh, we separated our, our uh, retirements by seven months so that um, you wouldn't have to replace both of us at the same time. And then God had us both replaced before she retired. It's been fun working with you, Chuck. Please know that. I've got this, the Lord said. So then I moved on to new worries. I started worrying about selling the house. I knew that the housing market was peaking. And when do I put it on, on before it starts to go down too much? And worried, worried, and worried. And then the house sold in four days. Where are we going to live? Laura's let us use their lodge out south of Beasley. And what about buying a new home? When Lynn and I walked into the house in Denton, like the seventh or eighth house we'd looked at, we walked in the door and we said, oh, this is it. And we closed on it last week and moved most of our stuff in. I've got this, he promised. And he kept that promise. And he will continue to keep that promise to us and to you. See, in Jesus, we have the Good Shepherd. Not a. The Bible doesn't say, I am a Good Shepherd. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. You know, all through ministry, God has had a way of reminding me of a very important lesson that the congregations I have served do not belong to me. You are His people. Not mine. His blood purchased you for Himself. I remember when I took a call to come to Texas the first time 
It was a call to leave two congregations that I loved dearly. And they loved us. And it was a really hard decision. I was on the phone with Pastor Cook when I made the decision. But during that process, God kept taking me back to a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Where they were arguing over which pastor they liked best. And Paul writes, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Folks, same is true today. Pastor Ridley and I are just servants. The Lord of this church is named Jesus. He's the pastor, the shepherd. And he's not going anywhere. So important as we venture into the unknown, in Jesus we have a shepherd we can trust. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, Jesus says. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Now, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I have spent most of my ministry in big cities, but I started my ministry in a little town in south-central Nebraska for my vicarage, and then two congregations in Meadowgrove. And one of the things I, I heard farmers complain about a lot, okay? They would complain when it rained too much, and they would complain when it didn't rain enough, and it was usually my fault. <laughs> but one thing they always complained about was that they couldn't get hired hands to work hard. I'm looking at the farmer this year, okay? <laughs> And there's a reason why that was the case. The hired hand got paid no matter what happened with the cattle. But that farmer, that was his livelihood. That's how he fed his family. He invested everything in the cattle or the crop or whatever. And so he cared. We enter this new time knowing that our shepherd is no hired hand. He has invested everything in you. He poured out His blood on a cross, purchased you for Himself. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. You are redeemed not with gold or silver, but with His holy, precious blood and His innocent suffering and death. If God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him freely give us all things? And then Jesus goes on and He says, I know My sheep, and My sheep know Me. I remember one time on my vicarage in uh, Rosemont, Nebraska, we were over at the Kirshner's for dinner. They almost always had us over for dinner on Sundays. And Ken Kirshner who was always an accident waiting to happen, uh, 
he, uh, he got a phone call that one of his cows was out of the pasture. Now, i got to make sure so I don't get in trouble that you all know that I know this. Okay, A heifer is a female who hasn't had a calf. A cow is a female who has. Okay, Because if I get that wrong, I would get lots of trouble from the people in Nebraska. Right, Jim? I don't know whether it was a cow or a heifer, so I'm just going to call it a cow. We got out, out of the truck, and um, we were trying to get this, this cow back into the pasture, and, and it wouldn't go, it wouldn't cooperate. So finally, Ken says, Vicar, would you go back and get in the truck? And so I did. I went back and got in the truck, and as soon as I was out of sight, that cow did whatever he wanted. As the cow knew him, he fed her. He took care of her. He didn't know me. So, trusted him. Just take care of him. Lead him. Jesus knows you. He's known you before the foundation of the world. He's known you by name. He counts the very hairs on your head at baptism. He called you, adopted you. He speaks to you in His Word every Sunday. He heals your wounds. He forgives your sins. He feeds you at this table. I've told you before about another man from one of my first congregations by the name of Jack Clamert. He had rheumatoid arthritis, very crippling, and he was, his, all the bones in his neck were crumbling and pushing forward to cut off his esophagus. Had to go in for a really serious surgery, and I said, Jack, are you scared? He said, no, God has always taken care of me. If, if this works, great. If it doesn't work, God will take care of me. And pastor, if I die, I go to be with him. I can't lose. That's what happens when you know Jesus. You have a shepherd you can trust. When Linda and I took the call to Flower Mound, I was worrying again because we had the first time I ever had to sell my own house to move someplace and it didn't sell and it didn't sell. And what are we going to do? We can't afford another house in Flower Mound and this house here. You know, and Linda just kind of listens and yeah, he's worrying again. And as I was literally driving out of town, got a phone call. Need to stop at the realtor. We just sold the house. I've got this. My friends, it's true here too. When this congregation was having some difficult times, we sent you Pastor Bauer to bring joy and back into the ministry of this place and peace and laughter. Walk down and look at that picture on the wall. It's, uh, that's quintessential Pastor Bauer with a huge grin on his face, right? During COVID, He took care of us. You know, we didn't, we didn't really miss a beat financially, which amazed me. And now the, the, the people are coming back. We've got more young families, more children. He brought you a young man and his family out of the seminary. Don't worry, He reminds us. I've got this. And you know this because you know Him. And He knows you too. In the last verses of our text, Jesus says, My shepherd, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. When I got the call to Germany, I was really struggling. And I was, the passage there was the story of Peter walking on the water and the prayer of Peter, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And that became my prayer. If this is you, tell me to come. And one morning I was out walking Molly, and I prayed that prayer. And I received a text from Indonesia, from John. And John wrote in the text, he said, Dad, I know you're struggling, so let me tell you about how Dora came to China to study. She was struggling too because she ran the Sunday school and she was worried who would take over, who would take care of those kids if she left to go study language in China. He said, but Dad, finally she did come. And that's where we met. And now we have Callan. So whether you leave or go, God will take care of you, Mom, us, Flower Mound, Trinity. And in those words, I heard Jesus saying, it's me. And we took the call. Now, I'm going to finish with a, something that's important to me. My service as pastor began on the festival of St. John the Baptist on June 24th, 1984. For my ordination, Pastor David Cook preached about John the Baptist and he talked about how people would, have, would throw down the gauntlet, their glove, to, throw, to challenge somebody to a duel. And he said, I'm Wayne, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet for you to be brave and bold and courageous as a pastor and to know that your job is the same as John's, to throw down the gauntlet before God's people and challenge them to repentance and faith in God's Son. I preached on John the Baptist at, at uh, um, David's retirement service. I preached on John the Baptist at my first set of fundraising for going to Germany. And then last week I got in the email or on text a sermon that Stephen had preached a couple weeks ago on John the Baptist. He thought it might help me. And I want to read a couple snippets of it. John's sole focus throughout his life and ministry and death is to simply bear witness to who this Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God, the chosen sacrifice, the scapegoat on which the sins of the world will be cast, and the good gospel news will be declared. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John does not mince his words here. He declares Jesus as the sacrificial Savior, the sin-bearing Savior, the atoning Savior. There is nothing else to preach apart from these beautiful words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those are the words that save. Two disciples heard John and left to follow Jesus. 
Jesus asked them what they wanted. They said they wanted to know where he was saying. And so Jesus answers them, come and you will see. And in that moment, John's ministry is complete. His own disciples turned from the path of John the baptizer to follow the pathway of Jesus, the Lamb of God, and I would add the Good Shepherd. It is only along the pathway of Jesus that man can be saved. And so when John's own disciples begin to follow Jesus, John, in turn, must throw up his hands and release them to God's care. Andrew, we are told, who had followed Jesus, went and found his brother Simon, who would later be called Peter. You can imagine the excitement in his voice as Andrew declares, we have found him, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Andrew brings him to Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's all there is to do. To bring others to Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when this is accomplished, we like John must step aside and say so that others may follow Christ and Christ alone. That's what today is for Linda and I. We have pointed young and old Jesus, the Lamb of God, who have introduced you to the Good Shepherd. In the words of John the Baptist, the one who has the bride, that's you, is the bridegroom, Jesus. You belong to Him. Not to me, not to us. The friend of the bridegroom who stands, hears him, and rejoices greatly in the bridegroom's voice. And this, my joy, our joy, is now complete. Fishers, all of you, family and friends, we are in the hands of the Good Shepherd. Don't worry, he says. I've got this. Or more to the point, I've got you. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.